Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Think of your internal culture and external brand as reflections of each other. A strong brand is based on a strong culture and vice versa. When you have a really strong culture, it reaches everyone who interacts with you, your team, and your product. Your customers will feel it. The nugget here, when the lines between culture and brand start to blur, you know you're on the right track because it likely means you've created a culture that's worth sharing. Are you ready to plan for the future? Build the financial foundations for your business with Intuit QuickBooks Startup Foundations. Enroll in the online Startup Foundations workshop and receive a free one-year subscription to Intuit QuickBooks Online. Visit bit.ly forward slash startup foundations. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash startup foundations today to register for free. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Rogers Small Business Centers are located coast to coast inside their retail stores. Small business owners and entrepreneurs can book appointments free of charge with a small business specialist to receive one-on-one expert advice on Rogers products and services. Rogers Small Business Centers offer free events where business owners gain valuable insights from experts and the opportunity to network with peers. To find out more about dates and speakers in your area or to register for an event, please visit rogersbusinesscenters.com. Scotiabank understands what's involved when businesses first open their doors and the support that's needed to keep them open. They are helping customers respond to the speed of business, making it easier for entrepreneurs to open their accounts and apply for business loans online in minutes. To learn more, visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're are new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Startup Canada podcast show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, and just really, really excited to have Steve Ufford. He's the CEO and founder of Trulio, a global identity verification company, and he talked to me ahead of time. He said, I am going to talk about exciting things on this call, which includes global identity, but also the whole startup street, uh, scene. When it comes to data-driven business, Stephen has found it and successfully sold several consumer data-focused startups over the last decade. As a serial entrepreneur, Steve likes to challenge the status quo, and if it's broken, he likes to fix it. In 2011, the identity veteran started his most recent startup, Trulio, to help build a trust layer into the internet and fix the problem of broken identity that, it that today affects so many online businesses. Today's interview, we're going to hear the story behind Trulio ooze creation and about the awe-inspiring impact that truly is having across the globe steve welcome to the show thanks rivers it's great to be here all right let's dive right into it you've been running startups for a decade now what's the motivation that has kept you going for all those years and uh, and kind of bridge that into the specific inspiration behind truly well uh <clears throat> the motivation is is pretty pure. I actually uh, didn't go to college, so this is all I got. This is what I got to do. I got to build my own company. So when I was uh, 18, my my father told me, you, you got you know two choices. You can pursue this, this uh, little idea you have to sell credit reports online, or you can go to college, and uh, I'll pay for it. But if you if you take the former, you're on your own. So uh, it was the best thing anybody could have done for me because, uh, you know, the out of the gate, at least the inspiration for most founders is to make, you know, their startup work because yeah. it's their livelihood and their life's work. Right. So, um, you yeah, know, more, more than a decade now uh, on number four, I would say what keeps me going probably isn't uh, keeping a roof over my head so much as it is now um, much more about the work. And uh, trying to make uh, an impact, you know, like everybody, right? Trying to work on something that hopefully solves a problem for some people. And I, I truly believe, after all these years, that if you can, you know, the more the more people you touch, the greater impact you have, the more successful you'll be. So every time I wake up and march across downtown Vancouver from my house to my office, I uh, am thinking about how how to impact people in as many places in the world as possible. And I really do believe that everything else will will follow that. So that's uh, that's what keeps me keeps me marching. Yeah, that's very cool. By the way, when you say march, do you drive or do you do you actually march? You march. You walk. walk. Very cool. Yeah. How long does yeah. it take you? It's a twenty minute walk. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. So you for those that don't know downtown Vancouver, it's a, a great place to live and work. We have a part of the city that is very residential. So on the water, we have beaches and parks, and then you can walk you know fifteen twenty minutes depending on your clip and be in uh, an older part of town called Gastown, which is where all the startups are. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, and it's a great a great place to work. Lots of cool little restaurants around, and uh, also down by the water. So it's a it's a dense little downtown, but uh, increasingly, uh, you know, more people choosing to live where they work. So right. I I put on about uh, five thousand kilometers a year on my vehicle for the last. 
10 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's so awesome. I just love where I, where I live. It's a 10 minute drive and d- d- to where I live and where I work. And so it's, a, it's small in that regard, but I love, I love the, the, the transformation that people are having to come back downtown again to live and work in the same area. I mean, so many people, I don't have a car, right? They just don't yeah. have one anymore. Don't need it. They don't yeah. need it. Absolutely. So on one of those walks in the, in that, uh, uh, are you uh, young enough to remember the day when Pierre Elliott Trudeau did the walk in the snow? Uh, not specifically. I probably should. I'm probably old enough to remember, but it's not coming to mind. <laughs> All right, well, I, I don't know why. I'm 53 and I remember it. And anyway, it was it was what, that night he went for a walk in the snow and the next day he decided to resign as prime minister. So uh-huh. what I wanted to know from you, did you have one of those snowy 20-minute walks which started the inspiration behind Trulio? No, actually. Yeah, it was um, a little less snow, a little more sun. I was actually, uh, (laughs) I was between, I was right after number three. So we just sold number three and I was over taking the year off. Yes. And I was over in Southeast Asia and I was in a, um, an internet cafe, desperately trying to assert who I was so I could book a ticket to go on to the next country. And um, for whatever reason, I think because I was in an internet cafe that was probably trafficked quite heavily by uh, people trying to do all kinds of things. Yes. Um, it, it just wouldn't let me, no matter who I called, no matter what I did from that location, from that set of computers, from that spot in the world, I couldn't really be Steven or be trusted. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a little bananas. So I um, spent quite a bit of time that year thinking about really fundamentally how, you know, how it feels to be you know, one of the non-lucky folks that happens to be a good person living in a part of the world that, that we, uh, you know, North American tech companies that build and sell these things, think is a bad part, right? you know, a bad part of the world and how that, how unfair that is. And I'm sure it's very inconvenient for a guy like me to not be able to buy my airline ticket. But what about if you're trying to trade online? I mean, my whole life was built around transacting online and, you know, building and selling things on the internet, my, my whole career. So that wouldn't have been possible, uh, for me if I had simply lived in a country like that. And that's very frustrating. And so I recognize that there was a lot of, uh, opportunity lost for people in that part of the world simply because we didn't trust them. Right. And that was really the inspiration. So I spent uh, the next few months thinking through, you know, how could I, learn what I had learned over the last, you know, three startups and apply it to a much broader problem, which is building a, you know, some trust into the online world. And uh, that's where it all began uh, wow. on that trip. I love it. I love it. I started a business in a coffee house and I was an internet cafe, but uh, I know that feeling. It's exhilarating when you realize you've got a solution to the problem or at least a desire to go figure it out. So very, very cool. So you've worked with Tannis George to create three other startups in the consumer credit industry. How important is it having a like-minded business partner as an entrepreneur, not necessarily one that is of the same talent? Yeah, look, I think like-mindedness, whether it's a fellow entrepreneur or an employee, especially for a startup, is really key because, um, you know, this is a dream that one, two, three people dream up. And then you ask a bunch of people over time to believe in it and join you. And that, 
you know, takes like-mindedness, you know, sure you, you know, and startups don't offer the perks uh, that big companies offer, right? So you've got to be, if you're working at a tech startup, especially an early stage one, you've got to be focused on the subject matter. You got to be passionate about what you're working on. Otherwise, you might as well go and take a big company job. And so, because what, what we offer that big companies can is the ability to impact the problem that you're working on in a much greater fashion. So I always say, look, you know, you've got to at least be similar um, in terms of, you know, the cloth from which you were cut to work at a tech startup. Or, or, you know, even work on this particular problem. Most people that work at Trilliu are actually from, are, are immigrants uh, over, I think it's we're over 70% um, are new to Canada. And uh, that's a high ratio. And I think it's because of the subject matter. I mean, our product out of the gate was very global. And um, because of our use case, we attracted like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whether it's Tannis and I as founders of the company or or the early employees that we've hired, everybody is working on this problem, usually because of something they've experienced in their own life. And uh, that that is what helps you, one, understand the pain and then two, understand you know, proposals for solutions. <laughs> we don't always get it right. right. Uh, but it definitely helps if everybody is marching to the same drum, right? And yes. uh, at least trying to get to the same spot. We all may want to veer off the road sometimes different directions, but we're, we're all headed to, to the same place. And I think that's key to being successful. Yeah. Well, it's no doubt about it. When the dialogue has the same destination in mind, you can at least then talk about the different des- different ways and pathways of getting there. So I love that. Well, if you had to note the common critical steps for success in every startup, every one of them that you've been part of, what would they be? And in fairness, let's just talk about two of them. What have been two or maybe even three, if you want to get into that as to what have been those common threads that have really, really tied it all together for you consistently? Well, number one, um, you know, I'm known for being a dollar short and a day late. So I'm always that guy in life. And so perseverance for me uh, has been the key uh, to success. There are always, if you can carve it out and you know that it's going to take more time, more money and more effort than you thought and expect that. Um, But be down for just persevering through it all and keep going. How I've been able to have three of the three. Uh, you know, and I'm hopeful that truly it will be number four successful exits and, you know, fixing problems has been by never kind of giving up on it and always believing in the mission. And yeah, I make a lot of mistakes a lot, but, um, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So that, that for me, and then two, you know, that, I mean, that's probably a pretty obvious one, but perseverance is harder to do than it seems. Uh, especially when you're broke in the early days Uh, and two, and then the last one, you know, while you're persevering and while you're going prematurely gray, you've got to have a really good sense of humor, (laughs) right? You got to be able to laugh. I mean, I have put on 30 pounds, lost 30 pounds, lost hair. It's all turned like, you know, it takes a lot out of you. It's stressful. It's very, very hard to do these startups despite what people read. And, it's, there's a reason why one in 10,000, you know, succeed. Um, and if you don't have a good sense of humor along the way, boy, can it become miserable. Yeah. So those two things for me are my uh, foundations for being able to do this for so long. 
Is it my imagination or is there a, dis- a disproportionate um, amount of people that are bald that are entrepreneurs than in any, <laughs> well, in any so, other you know, <laughs> focus on life? Because it's yours right. It's gray right. first and then it's just like, take it off. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to stand on that, but it feels true. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I'm no exception. I'm holding on to it for dear life at this point. But I think, you know, the, <laughs> the thing is, right, is that you, you, a lot of that stuff, um, you know, you, it, it goes by the wayside, friends, family, and until you do it, you don't really appreciate it. this is not a nine to five job. I mean, you have to give everything, everything you have and more, at least I do. Yes, uh, to make this happen at to some degree of success when you when, when you do these things and well, anything less you will I will fail. Yes, well, so, it's, it, you know, I, I've asked a question a lot about uh, you know what's the a common denominator uh, that you would give to startups and 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 most times let's just say most of let's just say a, a, a nice percentage of time the entrepreneur I'm talking about to says it's hard work. It's hard work and combine that, of course, with smart work, but ultimately it ain't as easy as the glamour photos make it out to be. That's for sure. Um, no. Tell us about the obstacles of, uh, of cyber identity in developing countries. Cause that's what you, uh, you founded your company on. Um, I think that's so interesting because, you know, you know, where's the, where's that need? Are they, are they in front of us or are they behind? Behind us, because I mean, they don't—they haven't got an old telecommunications network. So mobile, yeah. if I could say that, is probably way ahead for them than it is for us as being integral as part of their communities. So, is it fair to say that uh, that they're ahead of us, or are they behind us, or are they right with us? I look, I, I think that, that that is a really you know astute observation. I think most people don't don't see that. Those these parts so our you know, our mission actually is to cover seven all seven billion of us with digital data so that um, what happened to me in Thailand um, won't happen. And you know, the inspiration for, for the pain was was what I explained, but the solution actually came from a CNN interview that I saw um, with Anderson Cooper and a woman in India, and she had she was crying with him, and I just kind of just tuned in and she was explaining, and he was asking her, you know, why are you crying? This is amazing. You have your first cell phone. And what she had done at that moment was created a Facebook profile for herself. Yes. And why that was so touching for her is she was in rural India where, I mean, that's changed in the last couple of years with the government initiative there. But before that, um, there was no record of those people's existence anywhere. So, you know, we, we complain here about being over-tracked and over-papered. For many people, uh, they don't even feel relevant enough to the world so that, you know, their own governments don't even document their birth. Wow. So, wow. you know, this woman was crying and when he finally, you know, so when, was it the phone? You got a cell phone? No. Is it Facebook? No. It's that this this profile means I exist somewhere outside my own head. Right. My first, and, you know, that was very touching. And what I saw now was an opportunity for a solution. And so, yes, to your point, there are billions of people that skipped the laptop PC generation when it comes to computing and digital data and have gone right to little computers that they hold in their phones in the middle of rice fields. Right. Wow. And that they are creating a trail for themselves. And what that means for trust and the Internet is, is that um, now that there is a connection to those people, 
you've got to leverage what they have. They're, they're not going to have necessarily uh, an online banking password to log in to build trust with. They have a mobile phone that uh, they most likely have. And it might just be a feature phone. Um, but there are examples. People say oh, you can't do anything with that. But I always point to Africa. Look, look what the uh, community do, does there. Now, people say, "Oh, you can't do online payments without a smartphone." Well, here we have places in Africa where, yes, you can't tap a Visa or a Mastercard in those places yet, but with your phone. But you can transfer mobile minutes to pay for a light bill. Mm, mm, mm. And people will find a way. And that, that to me, means that we at Trulio will find a way to cover those people. Right. And those are the people that the first we're at about 4 billion of us now, you know, we cover it's substantial, but the next 3 billion are very challenging. And so, yes, initially it was about aggregating lots of existing data on the first 4 billion of us. And now that we're getting it closer to five, the data may not be as organized or as easy to access. Wow. So we have to now overcome that next challenge, which is, okay, it's not just about finding data and aggregating. It's about you know, developing channels for that information so that we can leverage it and we can make micro loans to people that want to open yeah. this up and we can let them, let them not walk two hours each way to pay for water or yes. electricity. Yes. And those are meaningful things. So uh, wow. that, that is what we'll be focusing on in the future here at Trulio is that, that next pain. Well, I have to go back to that walk um, because I can't imagine that all of this came to you on a walk from a pain point. Uh, it had to at least have cover two walks, maybe three. I mean, how, how many walks did you take that you ultimately said, okay, now I'm going to dive into this. I walk every day. So, <laughs> so it, it, it has taken an amalgamation of all of those walks. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. To get to this level of clarity. Um, I'm not a genius, you know, just a hardworking Canadian guy. So I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's not terribly difficult to um, connect the dots if you are willing to listen. Yes. And, you know, I'm not trying to, there's nothing wrong with working on making paying for coffee 4% easier. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Right. But if you've done that a couple of times, like I have, um, you start looking for something that maybe is a little bit more painful for a larger group of people and pursuing greater impact. And so, yes, I did not come up with it in a single walk with my Starbucks. It's taken <laughs> many walks and I suspect many more. I, I know it will for sure. I think walks are very, very powerful. Okay, you chose BC, Stephen, as kind of the the, the launch spot for uh, for for uh, truly. Um, can you uh, can you give us why BC? I mean, you have your choice of the world. Why BC? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I have I wasn't born here, but I was raised here. I moved here when I was just an infant. So that I've built every startup that I've ever had here out of Vancouver. Um, and the only difference on this one was I, I, uh, wanted to raise some venture capital. So yes, I did move to the Bay area for a few months to get that to happen. But generally I do believe Vancouver remains one of the best spots in the world for building, um, a company. And that's for three reasons. One, <laughs> that I live here and two, um, that, you know, the environment here, uh, <clears throat> there are lots of, I should preface that by saying there are a lot of founders that believe that. Offering employees work-life balance 
is counterintuitive to doing a startup. Mm-hmm. But I need it. And I think that Vancouver offers the environment. There's a lot of outdoor, um, even in the rain. Yesterday, I hiked for two hours in pouring rain, and that's normal here. Um, and I think <clears throat> this city and this this province offers that, uh, a very high quality of life for our employees and our families. Um, yeah. That's important to me. And three, you know, and I've this has been talked about almost ad nauseum, but Canada generally, <clears throat> especially now, is extremely uh, open to one immigration, which I think is key. We do not have enough tech talent in this country yet, homegrown, to supply the tech sector. So we need the immigration. And two, the government is very generous with its uh, with its grants, which yes. were fundamental to all of my startups. Mm, mm, that yeah. first few hundred thousand dollars in grant money to get your prototype built and hire your first couple of employees is so critical uh, that uh, especially when you haven't had an exit yet or, you know, it's family and friends, it really is fundamental and very unique. And why wouldn't you? So, so let's talk about that piece for a second. You know, when I think of funding agencies for government and I'm fortunate enough to uh, work with the provincial government here in New Brunswick and developing the ecosystem for entrepreneurs and they do, they, they have a lot of great programs in place and so do the feds. But when I think of the complexity of how to navigate through this whole process, it you know it kind of just makes me sick because it's like, where do I start? Where do I go? And so on. If you're mentoring a startup entrepreneur, uh, how do you recommend they approach uh, the navigation, the best way to navigate through those all those funding opportunities we have in our great country? It takes people. So you're absolutely right. And thank you for calling out the program's complexity. It's um, very complex. And especially if you're uh, what, what, what I tell, you know, the young entrepreneurs the first time is don't don't use online. I know that do not use online resources um, for these programs yet there. It, it sounds much scarier than it actually is. And when you read about programs like IRAP or SRNED that that fund you know these these first early products and, and employees, it is much much better to leverage human beings that have been through it. So this is one of the times where again tech tech space. I got a here here you got an aging founder telling young founders not to use tech, but the reality is for these programs, yes, you do need. Um, or you should be accessing people that have been through it. So as an example, I'm uh, constantly screening uh, these young uh, entrepreneurs and sending them on to folks at IRAP, uh, for example, to help them navigate. They're there. There are great, talented, smart, experienced people within IRAP, as an example, one of the programs, uh, one of the most popular ones, Mm -hmm. um, to help you work your way through that process. And you need to leverage them. And they're there for that. And so I always... You know, those warm introductions can make the whole process doable so that you're not totally distracted with grant writing. Um, you should be working on your product because ultimately that's what we all want from right. our tax dollars. We want big, scalable companies here. Right on. Love it. So you got you to gotta leverage people on that one. Don't submit it online unless they tell you. You know, mm. call another founder like me that you've seen out there that has done it and say, hey, listen, even on LinkedIn, you know, this is, I want to apply. Do you know somebody at IRAP? And we're always happy to say, yes, 
you want to talk to this guy, let me give you his contact. And it, that's, that's what it takes. That's what you should. So two, th- three things came out of that. First of all, a reinforcer that business is a team sport. That's the first thing. And it really is about a connection, a human connection. The second thing is, is that, uh, your LinkedIn profile name is Stephen Ufford, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Very creative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you, but I'm calling you out on that one because you said give us a call and uh, and uh, you know we can we can help you out with that. Stephen Efford, U F F O R D, and uh, you'd be That's a fool, ladies name. and gentlemen, if you didn't take advantage of that kind, kind, <laughs> kind offer. And the third thing is I forgot, so we'll just stick to number one and two at this point in time. But uh, but I I really uh, you know I, I think that that's so important. Oh, I know what the third thing is is that this again just reinforces to me that this sandbox that we all play in is a community collaborative space of of people that just want to help people as busy as you are running a global company you uh have offered to help people with just a simple question like that and uh and i appreciate that and you're not alone in in fairness to all the other entrepreneurs that want to help too so so very 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 cool ladies and gentlemen Gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Get paid faster. Create and send professional email invoices in minutes with PayPal. Join over 250,000 Canadian businesses using PayPal to accept payments. Get started today at www.paypal.ca forward slash small business. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints, from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Thank you to our sponsors. And we are back. So the next question I have for you has to do with planning. What's your what's your opinion on planning in a structured way or not so much planning and, you know, you've got to plan for flexibility if you can actually do that? Planning. Well, uh, yes. So, you know, again, personal experience yields this opinion. But um, so my first startup, I spent uh, hours and hours and hours and actually very is a big mistake, um, engaged a, a consulting firm to help me write my business and my funding plan. Stupidest waste of my hard-earned money at the time. The reality with uh, doing an early tech startup, at least for me, has always been that the plan is best kept at a very high level. You want your plan to be directional, not instructive. And so all of my planning uh, is, is really based on a single line timeline that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the chat here, that I'm always off on. But as long as I, I am kind of paddling my canoe in the right direction, I find that, uh, that, that that is about as as deep as I'm willing to go on a long-term basis. From there, um, I... I 
am very always very open to adapting the plan. And the right. key to that is, and why that's important to you as a, as an entrepreneur and a, a young company is that's your differentiator. If, if you try and act like a big business and you try and build it like, and, and run it like one, um, you're going to fail. And what, what, why your customers work with startups, they're, you know, two things. They're, you're, they're either dingbat crazy. Who, who would buy a product from a, a five man team or two, hopefully this is the category your startup falls in your product is amazing and they need it badly and they're working with you because you are nimble and dynamic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you give that up in the in the name of a grand plan you are taking one of your biggest value propositions away from your customers right which is you can, you can pivot you can react when they give you feedback it doesn't it doesn't go into an abyss that uh, you know it 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 is implemented in the product and that is very key and so i my, my plan you know going back to your question to answer it very concisely is um they're not terribly detailed and i like to figure it out uh, as i go and uh that 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 mantra has come out of trial and error i've i've swung the other direction and found that it did not serve me very interesting. Are you a fan of the business model canvas, lean lean uh, model canvas? Uh, elements of it, mm-hmm. um, but but again, um, any look I'm, again. I'm gonna knock on wood. Is there any wood in here? <laughs> I, I, I've been successful. That, that's an IKEA desk. I'm not sure if that's fiber wood or. Uh, but I, I knocked on it. So let's hope it holds. The reason I've been successful is because. Uh, <laughs> I, I learn and I, I change and I can tell you that no one single process has ever worked for me at right. any of my startups. No, no program, no, uh, you know, whether it's a marketing strategy or theory and, or, you know, uh, you have to, you, for me, I've never been able to take something like that and, and apply it to my business and have it work. Mm. Elements. Sure. A piece here, a piece there, but it's always a mixed bag and it's gotta be my own. So and it's life, man. I mean, that's what life is about. I don't know why people get so hung up on. There's no way in the world. You know, I'm one of my favorite jokes in the world, and it doesn't matter to me, uh, uh, you know, what what people think about spirituality. It's a joke, and it works. And it's uh, it's uh, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. It just <laughs> yeah. doesn't happen, right? It just doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen. So you got to be flexible, and uh, because your customers are flexible, their demands change, and and that's the point you're referencing. So uh, yeah, I. Appreciate that. I got to ask you this question, uh, uh, Steve, um, uh, and it has to do with a bigger, a bigger issue associated with driving the entrepreneurship strategy in our country. Um, if you were, uh, if you were prime minister for a day, and I always like to joke with my questions, I of course have the power to do this. Let's uh, <laughs> make you prime minister for a day tomorrow. Uh, how are you going to? What's the one thing you're going to do nationally to really drive that entrepreneurship um, uh, agenda? And when I say entrepreneurship, I I I I think that's synonymous with with the word innovation, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. what would you do? Number one thing uh, is that I would make the Canadian government the biggest buyer of early technologies in the country. Mm. And the reason for that is is if you keep dumping, you know, grant money, that's great to get it started, but you've got to follow it through. 
with revenue. And the reason that that is that we need the feedback cycles. We need the risk profile of a large customer to tell us, listen, this is what we need from you to solve this pain point. The hardest part of building a global product or, or a big product is getting your first customers. And the government can be a huge, huge, helpful uh, early adopter of, right. of the very companies that it that it sponsors. And we have some programs like uh, BCIP and uh, all those, but they're too they're too onerous and and too selective. There's as prime minister, I would get out the pen, and uh, here I've been watching way too much Trump. Do we have executive orders here? <laughs> sure, we do. <don't> you? <laughs> hey, you're in charge, man, not me. <laughs> I, okay, first I, I would create the ability to write an executive order, and if we didn't have one, and then I would I I would t- use the power of that pen and and be very directive that. When, when available, um, always include, you know, early technologies and, and new technologies in an RFP process, seek them out and be willing to take on the risk, mm. you know? And I think that what that does is look, so you're, you know, people say, oh, that's insane. Governments can't run with, you know, use products from tech startups that have 30 people. And yet here we are. Okay. If that's the, the mentality, then why are we funding them? Mm-hmm. So we're we're then turning around to the private sector and saying, well, we won't use it, but you go ahead. Right. It's an insane uh, argument. And really, this is, I mean, I'm not saying for everything, critical infrastructure out of the gate, but what you can do is solve problems with, you know, HR and, uh, and simple simple things that, that can have some redundancies in, in case a early stage company doesn't deliver. Right. Like give us the shot. Give us yeah. the shot. There's really no way to sell the government as a Canadian tech startup uh, early one. It's too hard right. and too laborious. So that's what I would do. And I think you would see three things happen. One, uh, a, a, a much faster feedback loop. So we fail faster, which means that we would succeed faster because we have that input. Two, uh, it would it would really give us that early revenue that we need to start organically grow. And three, it would attract more capital to the country because mm. and our startups because we have paying customers mm. at a decent scale. Mm. Mm. Very and interesting. Yeah, for me, I, I, I can I can uh, testify that, that that is a huge thing, a huge piece that, that needs to happen here. And it would really differentiate our, our country as well. Well, here's what I do know. Uh, in my opinion, I think that a startup, let's say the first five to six years in business, would have fixed that Phoenix payroll system by now. Um, then <laughs> then what's, what's happened with the good folks from Phoenix, that's for sure. Actually, and another note, uh, Frank O'Day, um, the founder of Second Cup, it kind of segued a bit into what you're suggesting. And he suggested that any time actually uh, the government gives money or a grant or whatever, uh, you know, a business to a large organization, they have to put between ten and twenty percent into a uh, into a into a startup or small business operation. And so, so awesome, yeah, great idea. Yeah, it's and it's so freaking simple, so yeah. simple to do it. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so uh, well, the next time you run for prime minister, I'll definitely make sure that I take this into consideration. For I'm going to need better vote. hair. I'm going to need better hair, Rivers. It's not going to work now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I, I got to solve that problem before I uh, before I refer prime minister. Yeah, We're gonna yeah. Solve the, it's the funny. Do, do you ever get asked to uh, consider running for politics? Somebody said it to me only once in my life, and it was yeah. after I took a 
a very un-Stephen-like uh, photograph for some PR. And I, they said, you look like a politician, you should run for office. But I actually did not take that as a compliment when I looked at that photo. I was, I think, too straight-backed and maybe too airbrushed or something. But uh, no, that does not come up a lot. Actually, my my uh, mouth has been fairly uh, clean today. I, I uh, have a little bit of a, of a trucker. You, you <laughs> want to drop a few F-bombs, don't you? So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm working on it on these interviews, but I, that doesn't play well in politics. I don't think <laughs> my father is a member of parliament for 16 years and I get asked it just because of, uh, you know, family affiliations. And I said, no, I don't want to run for it. I want to run from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen, uh, this conversation has been really cool. It's been epic. Uh, uh, and I know our audience coast to coast, uh, is, is really enjoying it too. Um, because they're okay. us and they, they connect with us. And the last word, it's going to be yours, my friend. Uh, we're kind of leaning in. Want to? Uh, you get the the last piece of advice you want to leave us with uh, before you continue on your day tomorrow as Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, <laughs> what's the, what? What are you going to leave us with, my friend? Look, I, I think um, you know it's just because it's top of mind for me. Um, when the startup, the 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 startup world has seems to have become almost trendy. You know, I've got aunts and uncles back east that that are, you know, talking about it now. And it, it wasn't even a real job before. Mm, no. mm. Um, so I think it's it's mainstream. It's gone mainstream. Everybody want because tech's in our hand all the time and everybody. And what, what I want to put out there is that if, for, for the rest of us, for all of us founders and, and employees at early stage tech company, please come and apply. But go back to what I said in the beginning, which is pursue impact above all else with us. You know, um, my one of my mentors, we, we took a, an investment from um, American Express uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't have a lot of big uh, interactions with big business people in my life. But I, as part of that investment, I had to pitch to the CEO at Amex. He's been there forever. He plays ball with Obama. Apparently, his mentor is Henry Kissinger. It's crazy. It's like a legendary nice. person. Um, and he can't, he, gave me some he can't play ball with shit, though, can he? <laughs> I don't know. No comment. But, um, but, you know, what he said to me was one of the most mentory like things I've ever heard, which was, you know, if you pursue impact, all other manners of success will follow. And I think, you know, going back to that advice, whether you're an entrepreneur or you want to work at a startup or probably anything in your life, that's what I've learned the most besides perseverance is if you really do work on something that is focused on touching the most people that you can, everything else takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really firmly believe that after all these years doing these things, and uh, I, I want to pass that on to the audience because I, I didn't know it. And maybe it's one of those things you have to live to to, to believe and say. But um, I see that after getting that advice a couple of years ago, I can I've really adapted my strategy here at Trulia for that, and we've really made some leaps and bounds because of it. And uh, I wanted to pass that on because I like I said I think it's really really fundamental. Yeah. crucial advice to to anybody pursuing big things in their life i think uh, with all due respect to the uh, younger crowd i think that just comes with ultimately experience life experiences and it's, and it's and it's just too bad it doesn't come sooner rather than later because imagine how great the world will be but here's what i do know it's coming sooner than sooner than later now than what it ever used to be when my my daughter is 22 years old and uh, and if i could use her as the the 
the, you know, the, the, the laboratory represent, representative, she gets it. She's starting she to talk that. it and she's starting wow. to practice it. Occasionally it comes back the other way where it's a, it's a different world, but I see so many young people these days, uh, mm-hmm. really uh, connecting in with exactly like you just, uh, you just referenced. So thanks for oh, that. Much smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is. And, and somehow we must've been smarter than our parents and grandparents too. So it was a pretty stupid world a long time ago. Now look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, this has been an awesome conversation. You've been Thanks, very kind to give us your time. And uh, so tell us, we know how to get a hold of you. How do we get a, a get all, How do we find out what's going on with Trulio? Well, I guess these days uh, it's it's not a hashtag, <laughs> but it's an at symbol. Uh, I think because our our name is so unique, you can easily find us at at Trulio on virtually anything. That's at T R U L I O L. Nice. Take care, my friend, and uh, look forward to having the opportunity to uh, have a have a walk with you soon to somewhere that's got a beer. So uh, keep on happening. That sounds great. Thanks a lot for time today, Rivers. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Lyndon Johnson, founder of Comsbar. You're listening to the Startup Canada podcast. So who's the most uh, interesting client that has ever walked through your door? And uh, what were the challenges you you, you faced when approaching their, their PR strategy? Well, just about everybody I see, everybody that walks through the door is interesting. Um, you know, they're entrepreneurs. They want to change the world. It's what I get out of bed for. Uh, but a couple that, that spring to mind, one I'm working with right now, that if they execute on the plan, they have the capability to change the way we communicate fundamentally. And for me, that's exciting. It's, it's something that nobody's doing. And in part, it's because everyone's looking in the wrong direction. You were talking about zigging when people are zagging. It's about, you know, everybody else is focused on some, another way to solve the problem. And they're missing what's sitting in front of them. So that, for me, is really exciting because we've had to build everything from scratch. We've had to build um, the product, we've had to build the relationships. I've become effectively an outsourced CTO because I understand the logic. I'm not a a tech guy, I'm not a developer or a programmer, but I understand the logic behind what they're trying to do. And that's something new. And then applying communications to building relationships at each stage of that business is uh, really exciting. And and if they can execute on the plan, we're all going to know about them in six to 12 months, they're going to be a household name.